today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God took all of his wrath, all of his anger, and he put it on Jesus. Do you know what that means? He's not angry with you. There's no wrath for you. Paul would say it this way, and it's recorded in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation, no wrath, no guilt, no anger for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus took it upon Himself. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Nobody enjoys being the subject of someone's wrath. In fact, so many people are driven by trying to please everyone that they often neglect themselves. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that as far as wrath goes, we have nothing to fear from God. Jesus loves you so much that he took that wrath upon himself rather than see you die for it. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Enter Hebrews eleven twenty, where we're told that Isaac, by faith, acquiesced by faith in surrender, by faith to God's will, conceding in the blessing of both, which is again why he was exceedingly afraid. Charles Spurgeon of this said, As soon as Isaac perceives that he has been wrong in wishing to bless Esau, he does not persist in it. He will give Esau such a blessing as he may, but he does not think for a moment of retracting what he has done. He feels that the hand of God was in it. What is more, he tells his son he is blessed, yea, and shall be blessed. What's happening here? He has surrendered by faith in blessing Isaac. Esau is still going to be blessed according to the prophecy, but he's not the one who receives the birthright as the firstborn. Okay, this brings me full circle to the matter of how this applies to us today, in our day, especially concerning this global crisis, which If you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, it seems that it is just getting worse and worse, evil and more evil by the day. God's going to have the final word. I know this might come off as an oversimplification, but no plot, no scheme, no plan will ever prevail over the plan that God has for man. Yeah. Praise the Lord, right? You know, if you weren't uh, here or did not see online uh, the prophecy update, I would really encourage you, because we looked at and talked about chiefly Psalm 37, but we also 
packaged it with Psalm 73. 37, 73 is a good way to remember it. Both Psalms have this one thing in common. They both speak to how in the end, don't, don't get worked up and fret and hot under the collar and angry because of evildoers and their wicked schemes. Man, you would think you were reading the news feed today. Right? Am I right? What's that going to accomplish? I mean, you look at the evil that is being perpetrated upon man, the evil, the wicked schemes, and it's wicked. And it's evil through and through. And now we get angry and worked up and yell at our TVs. Uh, I've, I've repented of that, by the way. I just, I'm walking in victory now. Sort of. <clears throat> but anyway, God knows my heart. But what good does it do to get angry because of evildoers who carry out these wicked schemes? Don't you know that, in fact, Psalm 37, David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, says, you're getting all worked up. You know what God's doing? Laughing. He laughs at them. This is, oh, no. Yeah, you'll see what I'm going to do. In fact, there's coming a time. I'll have the final word. Don't worry. See, Psalm 73 is kind of the other side of that, where the psalmist is having this horrendous crisis of faith, because the evil is prospering, and the wicked are prospering, and it seems like God's doing nothing about it. And then at the end, when he goes into the sanctuary of the Lord, and he sees their end, it's like he goes from being angry at them to feeling sorry for them, and rightfully so. Because in the end, David in Psalm 37 says, you're going to look for them, you won't find them, because they're going to be cut off. I'm sorry, I, I can't wait. <laughs> it's just, it's just, they'll get theirs. You think they're getting away with it? <laughs> God's laughing. <laughs> you, no, they're not going to. No, no. They're not going to get away with this. I'll have the final say. Everything's going perfectly according to my plans. I mean, those schemes, that, that, you got to hand it to Rebecca, right? That's pretty clever. And it actually worked, because that was the deciding factor for Isaac, right? You sound like Jacob. Get over here, boy. Feels the hair. It worked. Oh, would to God that our schemes would not work. <laughs> because then we think we got away with it. You don't get away with it. Those that are perpetrating this evil upon man, in this the last hour, the final hour, as John says, God's going to have the final word in the end. And how do I say this without sounding too snarky? Give me a moment. <laughs> um, I hope I get to see it. Let me explain myself. Some of you are looking at me going, please do, you got some splaining to do. What do you mean by that? Well, we're told that every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to be there when that happens, because I want to see that. 
Because there are those now that I am seeing, and they are blaspheming my Savior with their ugly mouth, their tongues. They're blaspheming Jesus. I want to be there when they confess with their mouths. By the way, it won't be for salvation. It's for eternal damnation when they do. Because that's the end. That's how it ends. And I'll just take it a step further and then we'll turn a corner here. (laughs) Knowing that in all fairness to the psalmist in Psalm 73, that's what gets me through the day, by the way, is knowing that God is going to have the final word. It's hard for me, Lord, am I supposed to? It's hard for me to go out anymore, out and about, and see people, because it's so heartbreaking, especially kids. I just see the fear in their eyes, and nothing's the same anymore, and it's heartbreaking to me. And these people need Jesus, and they have no idea what's coming. And it breaks my heart. And of course, my heart is turned towards those that are the reason for it. And like you, I, I get angry. And it's then that the Lord just reminds me of Matthew 5, where I'm to pray for them. You cannot stay angry at someone you're praying for for very long. The reason why we're told to pray for them is because it changes our heart towards them. Because you see, when you start praying for your enemies and those that speak evil and despitefully use you, It changes your heart towards them. I was sharing in the update, very personally for me, again, just talking about yelling at the TV. You know, there there are times when I'm looking at that person on the television screen. I'm not going to mention the name. You know who they are. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And you just, it just, (laughs) that's all I'm going to say without saying it. You get so angry. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? I can't hear what they're saying. I don't have to. I have them on mute. I, I'd never unmute my TVs anymore. So the Lord's like, well, why don't you pray for them? Well, I'll pray for them, all right. <laughs> right? You feel me? <laughs> but no, uh, wait a minute. I, I love them. I died for them. It just changes the whole complexion of everything. When I see them as someone that Jesus died for, someone that needs Jesus, and I start praying, God sends someone into their life, that they would come to a saving knowledge of you, Jesus, because they need you, Jesus. And I'll tell you, you know, it might start off a little bit bumpy at first. You know, the prayers are a little bit rough. Let's admit it. When you pray for your enemies, pray for people like that, it's like God just... And then it's not long before you're saying, God, I pray for their salvation. And now all of a sudden you have this vested interest in God blessing them and saving them. And it changes everything in the way that you look at them. Well, thank you for indulging me. I, I want to bring it to a close with 
the typology that's here. One of the things that has always fascinated me over the years is the typology in Scripture. By typology I mean someone or something is a type of Christ. They point to the person of Jesus Christ, and such is the case with Isaac. So in the remainder of our time together, I want to share with you the typology. And we have this available uh, as a PDF download if you want. It's on our website. Isaac was a miracle child born out of an old barren womb. Jesus was a miracle child born out of a young virgin's womb. With Isaac, Father Abraham gives his only begotten son whom he loves, just as with Jesus, Father God, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. With Isaac, we're told very detailed, he is to be offered up, translated, lifted up, with Jesus, he said, I will be lifted up from the earth. With Isaac, there were two men taken up with Isaac. With Jesus, there were two criminals crucified with Jesus. Isaac was 33 years old at the time. Jesus was 33 years old when he was crucified. Isaac, we're told, they went to the place, very specific. It is an idiom meaning the exact spot with Jesus. We're told they were come to the place which is called Calvary. Again, we talked about this last week. When Abraham took Isaac, his only begotten son, he took him to the place that we know today as Calvary. The same exact spot. Isaac we're told, walked with his father Abraham three days. Jesus walked with the father three years in his public ministry. With Isaac, it was said to those who followed, believing that Isaac would be resurrected, we go, but come again. With Jesus, it is said to believers in the resurrection who follow, he will come again. Father Abraham, all these details are there for a reason. Father Abraham, we're told, we actually read this passage last week, he put upon Isaac the wood, he carried the wood for the sacrifice, just as the Father would put on Jesus the curse of sin, carrying the wooden cross. Cursed is every man who hangs on a cross. Abraham took the fire in his hand to offer his son as a burnt offering, not a sin offering, a burnt offering for sanctification, not salvation, to offer his son as a sacrifice, just as with Jesus, God took his wrath in his hands and put it upon his son as the sacrifice once and for all. One, one thing, just parenthetically on this, very important, and I want you to hear what I'm going to say to you, because this is another lie of the enemy, and he gets away with it, sadly. God took all of his wrath, all of his anger 
and he put it on Jesus. Do you know what that means? He's not angry with you. There's no wrath for you. Paul would say it this way, and it's recorded in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation, no wrath, no guilt, no anger for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus took it upon Himself for you, for me instead of you, instead of me. So the next time the enemy comes to you, he's going to do it. I promise you, he already did it today, (laughs) before he came to church. Yeah, God loves you, but I don't think he likes you very much right now. Yeah, I know. He's not too happy with you. It's a lie. It's a lie from the father of lies. Don't believe the lie. He is not angry with you. You know, we say, God, God loves you. I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. God is love. But isn't it sad that if you say it like this, it packs more punch? God likes you. He does. He, he likes me? Yeah. He's not mad at me? No. Really? Whoa. I mean, I know he loves me, but, you know, it's kind of like the wife says to the husband, I have to love you, but I don't like you right now. (laughs) Oh, sorry, I might have have stepped on a couple of marriage toes there, but I'm speaking to myself. That's my, my wife telling me that. I love you, but I don't like you right now. No, he likes you. He likes you. There's no wrath. With Isaac, again, another detail, there was a knife, really a sword, was taken to stab him to his death. Of course, God stopped him. But with Jesus, he was stabbed by a sword to make sure of his death. With Isaac, Abraham says, and again, we talked about this last week, in the original King James, I want to say the 1900 version, it gets it. The other translations miss it. But when Isaac asks his father, hey, we've got the wood that I'm carrying, and we've got the fire, where's the sacrifice? Abraham's response to him prophetically is, God himself will provide himself as the sacrifice. That was a prophecy pointing to the person of Jesus Christ, who would be God with us. God would become a man and Himself provide Himself as the sacrifice. And that's what that points to. Isaac, you know, when you understand that he was 33 years old, and not this little four-year-old toddler, that kind of, uh, that's a game changer, isn't it? This is a man, a 33-year-old man, that is obediently and willingly bound for his own death just as Jesus was obedient and willingly bound for his own death. And then with Isaac, the angel of the Lord calls from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. That is a Christophany, meaning a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who calls from heaven. With Isaac, all nations are blessed because of the obedience to sacrifice, just as with Jesus, all are saved 
because of Jesus, because obedience is better than sacrifice. With Isaac, this is an interesting detail again, not easily seen at first read. He's not there when Abraham comes back, just like with Jesus, who is not there in the tomb when they came back. With Isaac, and this is the last one, after these things were told, Abraham sees a bride, Rebekah, for his son. After the crucifixion, at the resurrection, we see a bride, the bride, the church, for the son. Do you see the typology? A bride from his side. One last thing. <laughs> I haven't said any last thing yet, so I got a couple. I won't use them. I'll just use one. Think about this. We know that Jesus was the, the final Adam, the second and final Adam, right? Because through the first Adam, sin entered the world, and through Jesus, the final Adam, sin was paid for, right? So he's referred to as the second and final Adam. Now, what do we know to be true about Adam? Well, God put him into a deep sleep and took from his side a rib to make for him a bride. Fast forward to Jesus, the final Adam. When he was stabbed in the side, two elements poured out, blood and water, the two elements present at birth. It was the birth of his bride, the church, from his side, as was Eve taken from the side of Adam. Another typology. And listen, for those of you that have been coming for any length of period of time, you know this is like a fraction of all the typology. I mean, if you were to ask me one of the reasons why I know that the Word of God is the Word of God and it's infallible, because no man can come up with that. Can you imagine? Impossible. This is the Word of God and the God of the Word. Whatever it is that you're dealing with today, trying to take matters into your own hands, you might want to ask Isaac about that. <laughs> God's going to have the final word. I don't think you're going to have to wait too long either. I know it seems like it's taken a long time, but not long. You'll see. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, <laughs> I thank you for your word. I thank you for Isaac. Lord, I thank you for the writer of Hebrews that you inspired to write this for us all of these generations later. Your word is so alive, Lord, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And I pray that in our time together today in your word, that we would let, allow the Holy Spirit, as only you can, Lord, to have access, unfettered access, to the deep recess in our hearts, to cut out, surgically remove whatever it is that is keeping us from hearing you, knowing you, loving you, serving you. Lord, anything that has taken up residence in our hearts, in our lives, that doesn't belong there, that's hindering our relationship with you. Lord, thank you for your word. 
In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Hebrews with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard on today's broadcast. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you to grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Hebrews together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website calvarychapelkaneohe.com That's all we have time for today but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Holy, me true, true.